they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with the awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Thank you, Karen. Y'all can have a seat. Well, good morning. Good morning. So used to mornings. I still haven't gotten used to evenings. Good evening. Pastor Chris, if you're here for the first time or tuning in for the first time, good to have you joining us, gathering with us. Um, anytime you're in a relationship with someone, anytime you're in a relationship, whether it's with a boss, an employee, a parent and child, marriage especially, it's important to know what the expectations are between two parties, right? It's important to know, like if Jess and I got married and she expected me to function in every way like her father functioned as a husband and father growing up, she would have been disappointed. If I expected her to function like my mama did growing up, I'd be disappointed, on the converse, if she doesn't expect the things that I'm going to provide, then I'm going to be a little bothered. For example, I, I do most of the cooking. And so if 4 o'clock rolls around and she starts to freak out, oh, no, we, we don't have dinner, I'm going to be like, girl, I've been planning this. Relax. I got it. Trust me. Right? And she does all the laundry and takes care of all that stuff. So if the girls start freaking out, I got nothing to wear, and they come to me, I call, I, there's been times when I've called up Jess and be like, so the girls have nothing to wear. She's like, they got plenty to wear. Tell them to check this drawer, this drawer. I did the laundry this morning. I folded it. It's in the basket. Tell them to go down in the basement. Da 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 da. If I said, baby, there's nothing to wear. I'm going to take them to the store, right? That, that's kind of offensive to her because she's providing a certain function in our home. So likewise with God. It's important to know what God calls us as his people to, what he expects us of us. And it's also important to know what can we expect of God. And the passage that we just read, we started looking at it last week. And we started to look at it in two ways. Number one, what were the things that the people were doing? What, what were they devoted to? What were the rhythms and habits that they implemented in their daily lives? And we asked a question last week, is God calling us? Does he expect us to be devoted to the same things today? And then we, today, we're going to look at the things that God is doing. The things that God was doing among those people. And we're going to ask the question, can we expect God to do those same things among us today like he did back then? I, I started off last week by saying I don't have a series for the new year for the first time since 2013 when we planted. Don't have a series, just a, just a bunch of thoughts, some teaching thoughts, some vision thoughts, and we're just going to kind of ramble our way through January. Well, I decided, because I used a phrase last week, we're just going to anchor ourselves to some particular passages in Scripture. We're going we're to call this a series now. Let's call it Anchored. Perfect. Just anchor. Just going to pause for the month of January and say, what are we doing? What's God's story? Where do we fit into it? What is he calling us to? And what can we expect of him in this year, 2022, as a church community? Now, I want to give a little recap of last week. Can I do that? I don't really like recaps usually, but I'm going to do it because I think it's important. I ended last week. So, verse 42. Check it out. 
They devoted themselves. This was the focus last week. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. We boiled that down to three things. They were basically, basically devoted to sharing their lives together, number one. Praying together, number two. And, and, and using the scripture, the teachings of the apostles, the life and the, and the, the teachings and, and the resurrection of Jesus and, and the Old Testament as a foundation for their lives, a foundation for their prayers. So those three things. And we asked a question at the end of last week, which of those three things might God be highlighting for you? Now I want to just, by a show of hands, I know half our church is still online, so in our chat room, those of you who are on our website chat or on our Facebook chat, you can just chime in again. But how many of you guys last week indicated, because we ended by sharing. Remember, if you were here, we ended with that awkward time of sharing with somebody close to you? Right? Remember that? No, you don't remember? Amnesia? Okay, good. Good, good, good. <laughs> Which of you guys highlighted, number one, sharing your life? I, I feel like God is saying I need to be more consistent with sharing my life with others uh, around me. Other believers. Okay, okay. Keep your hands up for a second. So that could be, I don't know what that means for you. That, that could be being consistent with our gathering on Sundays. That could mean being more consistent with our life groups. That, that, that could mean uh, jumping into a mentoring relationship, an accountability relationship. I don't know. Um, I do want to highlight right now our winter groups are starting up at the end of January. And we're going to be spending the next few months or weeks promoting these puppies. We've got 20, what do we have, 23, 24? They're just growing. 24 groups I think you can jump into right now. There's prayer groups, there's discussion-based groups, there's justice and mercy groups, there's support groups. We've got a group for grief, we've got groups for men, for women, for young adults, for teenagers. So if you're not in one, I want to encourage you to jump into one, especially if you're somebody who just raised your hand. Here's a cool little uh, testimony. Um, speaking of this one, you know, sharing our lives with each other. Um, there are two guys in our church who they had been talking to each other about starting this kind of accountability relationship with each other. They've been talking about it for a while. You know how guys are. They're kind of slow to make something happen. They get busy, right? And I kept hearing, like, I haven't heard back from so-and-so, and it was kind of dragging on. And this, this morning, I was praying for some families in our church. One of the families um, was, was one of these guys. You know, this guy was a husband in one of these families. So I started praying for them. And I just, I started praying for that accountability relationship. I was like, man, I'm tired of them hearing about them talking about it. Lord, can you make this happen this week? Literally, I prayed that this morning. I got a text from him this afternoon saying, hey, just so you know, I talked to so-and-so this morning, and we're going to start up soon. We're going to be meeting every other week, da 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 I was like, get out of here. I was just praying for that this morning. That's pretty cool, right? So for those of you who just, reach your hand one more time. I'm going to be praying that whatever that means, Something happens there. You actually do something about it. How many of you indicated last week or felt like God indicated to you that praying with others is something you need to focus on for 2022? Okay, that, that could mean spouses praying with each other. That could mean jumping onto our uh, email list that Mandy Mercado sends out, our administrator sends out on Monday nights with the prayer needs in our church. That could mean a whole bunch of things. But... I think this is a good opportunity to promote our prayer groups, don't you? We've got a bunch of them. We've got Monday at 12 p.m. over Zoom is one of our prayer groups. Justin Garden leads that one. Wednesday at 9 a.m. in Brick is a group that groups of moms, Robin Maselli and Lara Vera. They, they they got a group of moms that are praying for their kids. Wednesdays at 7 p.m. over Zoom, Donna Hack and Barbara Hale. It's a it's a half. This one's half hour. They get in and they get out. We're like we're going in, we're praying, and we're out. You can jump into that one if you like to keep it quick and short. 
Number four, Thursdays at 9 a.m. in Brick. Uh, me and Frank Martinez lead that time on Thursday mornings. Number five, Thursdays at 6 p.m. over Zoom. This is uh, uh, the Martinez's and Just Dottie. They lead this one. This is for anybody who's got addiction in their life that they want to see getting battled, whether it's them or a loved one. And then finally, here's a brand new one starting up at the end of January, uh, led by Josh and Joni Berry and uh, Justin Garn. It's going to be right here at Trinity after service. They're going to be praying together. So uh, if you're interested in any of those, fill out a Connect card. We'll get you plugged into that. Again, I'm not saying that because you raise your hand, that means jump into this. It could mean a host of things, but it could mean this. It could mean this. All right, and then lastly, how many of you guys indicated last week that uh, using Scripture, being more committed to Scripture, more consistent in Scripture, is something God is highlighting for you for this next year? Okay. And I don't, I, again, that could mean just reading every day. That could mean doing one of those Bible in a year plans on your Bible app. There's a ton of them on there. Um, it, it could mean taking classes. Our denomination offers some classes. You could talk to me about that. Um, but, but I, let's just not make this a time when we say, oh, I, I think God is saying I need to do this. You're saying, I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to lean into it. I'm going to be devoted to this, like those uh, early church folks were, okay? All right, that's, that's the end of my recap, end of my introduction. Let's get into it. Now, it's part two. Part two is what was God doing? What was God doing among the people, and can we expect God to do the same thing among us? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read this again. I'm going to read it starting in verse 43. I want you to see how many different things you can observe that God was doing in this passage. Okay? Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Okay. Now I see five things here that the Lord was doing in this passage where, where the people were passive participants in it. They were receiving what God was doing among them. I'm going to point these out, and I'm going to point these out working backwards. Starting in verse 47. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's number one. They were growing. People were being saved. God was doing it. God was opening up people's eyes to see that Jesus had risen from the dead. He was the Lord of lords. He's the King of kings. They better trust in him. They better bow their knee to him. And they were doing that. They were getting baptized. And then God was like throwing fish on the boat, adding people to the church. Here's another one. Here's another one. Here's another one. This growth was happening, and it was the Lord's doing. So the question is, should we expect growth? Should we expect more people coming to faith in Jesus among us today? And moreover, should we expect that kind of explosive growth? Daily, people are getting saved. Daily. I mean, baptize. we don't have baptisms weekly. We're on every other month right now. They were, it was happening daily. Should we expect that? So first off, when it comes to growth in general, I say yes. I say yes because when you look at Scripture, God is a God of growth from the very beginning. He said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Grow this little family of yours. 
Then after the flood washed everything out, he said to Noah and his family, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Fill this puppy up with more people. I want more. He said to Abraham, I'm going to create, through you, I'm going to create a nation. It's going to be more numerous than the stars in the sky. God's a God of growth. Jesus said to his 120 disciples when he, right before he ascended into heaven, go make disciples, not just, you know, the people who are convenient, the people who live next door. He said, of all nations, Acts 1.8, he said, you're going to receive my spirit, you're going to get power, and then you're going to be my witnesses, not just here locally in Jerusalem, not just in the region of Judea, but to the ends of the earth. And then at the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, we see every nation, tribe, and tongue represented in heaven. God is a God of growth. So yes, we should expect God to use us to reach people who don't yet know Jesus as Savior, as the one who loves them and died for them, family members, neighbors, co-workers. But should we expect, expect, should we expect explosive growth? And I say sometimes. I say sometimes we should. That kind of explosive growth. I say sometimes because there are certainly times, and we see this in Scripture, when we're sowing seeds and we're sharing a message, and it's like it's falling on deaf ears and hard hearts. And all we can do is pray, say, God, I hope that you're doing something underneath the surface where I can't see it. I'm watering this ground. This ground looks hard. There ain't nothing coming up. I'm praying that you're doing something under. Sometimes it's a matter of obedience and faithfulness, and we're just trusting that God is at work behind the scenes when we can't see him. Any moms and dads can say amen to that in here who have adult children? Paul had seasons out like that. He would enter towns. He'd get beat up. He didn't see a whole lot of success in some places. Old Testament prophets like Jeremiah and Ezekiel, they were told, you sound the warning. But whether or not people listen to it, that ain't going to be on you. You just be obedient to sound the warning, sound the alarm bell. Now, then there are times of explosive growth like what we're seeing here. The Lord adding daily to their number, those who are being saved. In Acts chapter 5, it says that the number was 5,000. 5,000 men plus women and children when we get to Acts chapter 5. By the way, I have to correct something I'd said last week. I was wrong about something last week. Yeah. It happens uh, once or twice a year. I'm wrong about something. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I said last week, last, last week uh, it, it says that there was 3,000 people uh, who, were, who were baptized right before this passage. And I said that was probably referring to just the men, not including women and children. Actually, that probably was just referring to all everybody. It's in Acts chapter 5 where it's referring to the men, and it says 5,000. So that's, I, was get, I got confused there. So 3,000 now, by the time we get to Acts chapter 5, it's at 5,000 men plus women and children. So that's, they just kept growing and growing. So that's a season of explosive growth. In the city of Ephesus, in Acts chapter 19, you read about how all of a sudden, because people are coming to faith in Jesus, their, their, their whole economy is flipped upside down in that city. Throughout the, the history of the church, since Jesus uh, ascended into heaven, we see different times uh, of, of revival happening 
the 1800s in Wales, for example, and, and the early 1900s in Eastern Africa, this explosive growth, China in the early 1900s. Like there are times, some of you experienced it in, in, on a small scale in, in past churches or in your families, where it's like, like dominoes. Somebody's coming to know Jesus, and then one by one, more family members are coming to know Jesus. It's like something's going on here within this church community, within this family, within this town. My dad had that happen to him. He was hitchhiking around the country in 1972, smoking God knows what, but he became a Christian. He, he became a follower of Jesus, and then he went back to his farm friends, uh, lived on a farm, a cult. They had kind of had a cult in Pennsylvania. His testimony, by the way, is on our website. Um, but he got back to the farm, and he shared about Jesus with them. And a lot of those folks on that farm trusted in Jesus, just like dominoes. So should we expect that in our church for 2022? I'm not going to use the word expect. But I am going to say that's something we can pray for. We should expect growth, and we can pray for explosive growth. Now, it's the Lord's doing. This is the Lord's doing. The Lord does it, right? So we don't put our hope in strategies. We don't put our hope in sermons. We don't put our hope in new groups. We don't put our hope in get going from evenings back to mornings, although we're praying that, that we can do that. We don't put our hope in those things. It's God's doing. But we do what we can to be faithful with the resources he's given us, the gifts he's given us. So we, we raise the sails, in other words, and we say, God, blow that wind. You blow that wind. We've got to be faithful to raise the sails. So that means if we've got a strategy to implement, let's put the strategy in place. If we, got to, if we can find another location where we can meet in the mornings, if we can find a permanent building to find some stability, let's do it. Absolutely. Let's do what we can. But all we can do is raise the sails and then go, God, blow that wind. Blow that wind. Save my neighbor. Save my spouse. Save my daughter. Save my son. Save my mom. Save my dad. Lord, you blow that wind. I'll share with my coworker. But you blow that wind. You make the seeds grow and bear fruit. You do it, Lord. And that's why all these prayer groups because we're getting on our knees and we're saying, God, we're depending on you to do it. We can't. We can't. We can't. So we should expect growth. We should pray for explosive growth. By the way, we've got a few video testimonies coming up over the next couple months of people who've been baptized in the past year and what God did and saving them, getting a hold of their hearts. So Look forward to those video testimonies. If you've got a story, if you uh, were one of those from last year and you have a story to put on video, let me know. Let's move on. What's the second thing we see here? <clears throat> Look at verse 47 in the beginning. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. So they were, they were um, receiving favor from the Outsiders looking in. The outsiders were looking at this thing in Jerusalem, and they were going, wow, something special is going on here. They were looking on it favorably. Culture, in a sense, was looking on them with favor. The people as a whole were looking on them favorably. Should we expect that? I say no. I say no. This doesn't last very long. Soon, persecution breaks out. Stephen gets killed. The, the, the church is scattered. Things get tough. Things get rough. Religious leaders come after them. Apostle Paul gets stuck between a rock and a hard place often. 
Jesus himself said, you're going to have trials and tribulations because you follow me. There's going to be persecutions that come your way. People aren't going to like it. They hated me. They're going to hate you too. Get ready. So that's the promise. That's what we should expect. When there's moments of enjoying the favor of all the people, praise God for it. Enjoy it. Ain't going to last that long, probably. But enjoy it. Enjoy it while it lasts. But you and I are not promised to have favor from all the people all the time in culture. We are promised trials. And Peter says, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that come upon you. It's going to happen. Don't be surprised if culture turns on you. Don't be surprised if you were having this Bible study in your workplace and your boss tells you you can't do it anymore and all of a sudden people stop liking you. Don't be surprised at that. They did it to Jesus. They'll do it to you. Let's keep going. Third thing. They were meeting together, breaking bread in their homes, and aiding together with glad and sincere hearts. Now, why do I underline that as if it's God's doing? Um, because here's the thing. Having a true joy in our heart, not folk, uh, folk, uh, fake, phony joy, not that kind of joy, true joy, sincere joy, right? Glad and sincere heart. That's authentic joy. That's something that we can't manufacture on our own. You can slap the fake smile on your face when you come in those doors, right? Some of you maybe did today. But that true, sincere joy, that's only something God can do, especially when it comes to having glad and sincere hearts within community. It's easy to be happy with God when I'm on my own in the woods. It's a little harder when I'm in community with people who've got weaknesses I don't have, who see my weaknesses when I thought I was able to hide them, when hypocrisy gets exposed and people are gossiping and there's drama and I'm offending you and you're offending me. Like, that's hard to have glad and sincere hearts. A church of 3,000, you had to figure. There had to be at least one person that would annoy each other person, right? There had to be. At least one. You ever notice you sign up for a group, perhaps, or you, you get into community, you lean into relationships, and just, it's just like, for some reason, there's always a one person who seems to excel at a particular characteristic that is the one characteristic that drives you insane. You ever notice that? You're like, why is this person in this group? Whether it's because they talk too much and that's your pet peeve, or they, they think differently politically, or they're always complaining about something. And you're like, man, and it's hard to have glad and sincere hearts within community sometimes, isn't it? So for them to have it, that's a work of God's Spirit in them. Should we expect that in 2022? You think so, huh? Yeah, with all, the, with all the polarizing issues that we're dealing with, you think that God can still do that? <laughs> okay, good. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Galatians 5, 22 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Uh, I'm not even reading. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That is one fruit, by the way. Multiple shades of that one fruit. Different characteristics of one fruit. You can't have one without the other. And the Apostle Paul is saying, that's a fruit produced by the Spirit of God in you. It's not a result of your effort. It's not a work of the flesh. It is a fruit of the Spirit. So if the Spirit's in you, 
He wants to produce that fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, right? That glad and sincere heart that's expressed within community. He wants to do that. So yeah, we should expect that. Now, does it feel like there's moments when I'm feeling dry? I'm feeling annoyed. I'm feeling like I had it with people. I don't want to see another person for a while. Absolutely. But in those moments, I can say, God, I can expect you to fill me, refresh me, fill me with that fruit of the Spirit, fill me with the joy and the peace so that I can be patient and kind with others when I'm feeling pretty irritable and grumpy. He can do that. And so if you're here, listen, listen, listen. If you're here and you're coming off of 2021 and you're feeling worn out and you're feeling discouraged and you're tempted to isolate, maybe you got offended by a couple things. Maybe you realized that somebody posted something on Facebook that, you know, you said, oh, I thought they agreed with me politically and they disagree with me. I can't believe it. If you're having those moments, you need to expect that God wants to fill you with a glad and sincere heart. You need to lean into that. But you can ask for prayer for that too. Take out one of those connect cards and write, I need a glad and sincere heart in community. And we'll pray for you. We don't mess around with those things. We pray at every prayer group. We pray for those things. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Next thing, working backwards, working backwards. Look at verse 45. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Now, I underline that because I think... Last week we talked about that. That was a symptom of them devoting their lives to each other, right? So that was them saying, I'm devoted to you, sharing my life with you. What I have is, you know, yours, and what you have is mine. Um, but, but this kind of radical generosity, this, this selling of property and possessions to giving to, to anyone who had need, that's, that's radical. And I underline that as, as a work of God. Because that's, you, you, you don't, God didn't command that kind of generosity, right? He didn't say, hey, everybody sell your house. This, this was a result of them being so in awe of God, so filled with joy over what God was doing. Their joy was rooted in God so much that they were like, ah, my stuff, I can hold loosely to my stuff. And you, brother, sister, matter more than my stuff. Go figure. People matter more than possessions. That's the work of God. So God was filling them with this, this freedom to say, I don't need this. My house, whatever, I, whatever it's worth on the market, it's yours. Let's make sure everybody who's needy gets something that they need. It's the work of God. Should we expect that kind of radical generosity among us? I say yes. I say yes because there are other scriptures that make it clear that this is something we need to lean into. For example, 1 Timothy 6, the Apostle Paul says, starting in verse 17, he says, command, so not just a description of something that happened in the past, Paul saying, command those who are rich. Now, you might think that doesn't apply to you. You're not rich compared to maybe somebody who lives down the street, next town over. But by the world's standards, I think we can agree that we all are. So command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth. Why not? It's so uncertain. It can be taken away. Some of you experienced that back in 2008 or with Hurricane Sandy or last year when COVID caused a layoff 
It's uncertain. Instead, put your hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. In other words, God can be dependent on. He is certain. He gives us what we need for our joy, our fulfillment. And then he says in verse 18, so command them to do good. What kind of good? To be rich in good deeds. What kind of good deeds? To be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. You know what Paul's saying here? He's saying, show that your hope is in God by giving away your stuff because that is investing in your retirement. You want to invest in your retirement? Give away your stuff. Now, he's not talking about your earthly retirement that's going to last 10, 30 years at the most, and you're dead. He's talking about your eternal retirement. He's saying live in light of that by investing wisely. How do you invest wisely? Give your stuff away. Give your stuff away, he says. He, he's not saying don't invest. He's saying invest wisely by being rich in good deeds. Store up good deeds. Store up these deeds of giving away stuff. It's kind of a play on words. Catch that? So that's why I say yes, we should expect that kind of ge uh, radical generosity springing up in our hearts, within our church community. And here's the thing. This is our church. Like, I see this constantly in our church. Y'all are meeting each other's needs. I'm sometimes the last to find out about a need. Somebody told me recently that somebody else in their life group got them a Christmas tree and got that over their house. We had people uh, helping the Rakondas move uh, today. Uh, Steve Hale was called upon, like, on the day that he found out about a, a repair need in someone's house. He was over there that day fixing it. Like, this is happening in our church constantly. Keep it up, though. And if you're feeling a little stingy going into 2022, or you're feeling a little worried about God not providing for you, you can expect God to fill you with Fresh, radical generosity. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Next one. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. So wonders and signs. That's miracles. That's miracles. Particularly, when you look at the book of Acts, particularly healing miracles. Signs and wonders in the form of healing miracles, other, other forms of miracles as well, but particularly healing miracles. We see that in the very next chapter, Peter and John heal this guy. He's lame from birth. Everybody's like, hey, how'd you get the power to do that? And they say, it's because of Jesus of Nazareth. It's in his name we did this. He's the one who healed them. Jesus of Nazareth, crucified. Yeah, he's alive. He rose from the dead. That's why this guy's standing right now. In other words... The same reason Jesus did miracles, the apostles were doing miracles. So Jesus was doing miracles to authenticate the message that he is God, he is king, he is ruler, his kingdom has come. The apostles were doing those miracles not to attest to their own credibility, but to attest to the message that Jesus is king, Jesus is alive, Jesus is still uh, on the throne, he's reigning and ruling. Jesus did miracles to show God's heart of compassion for the hurting, the sick, the broken. They were doing miracles to say, yeah, God, God still has a heart of compassion. He still loves you. He cares about you. He sees you where you're at, hurting. So the question is, not should we expect miracles and signs and wonders in our day, in our time, in our church community? I'm going to be talking a lot about that this year. 
Um, but quickly today, I say yes. I say yes because God still wants to give credibility to the message that Jesus is alive. He's king. People in our culture are not just asking, is this true? It's an important question. Is this true? But they're also asking, does this work? Like, does God really want to transform my life? Does he really want to reconcile my family, heal my body, restore the damage that's been done in my emotions and my mind from past trauma? Does he still want to do that? Yes. And we see throughout Scripture, moving on in the book of Acts, it wasn't just the apostles doing those miracles. God was doing miracles through guys like Stephen, other people who were not apostles. The book of James says, if any of you are sick, call the elders of the church to anoint you with oil, pray over you that you might be healed. He doesn't say, find apostles. This is only for those time when there's apostles. No, 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 no. It's for the church in every age to believe that God's still at work. He's still at work to give credibility to the message that Jesus is king and Jesus is alive and that God still cares about the hurting and the broken and the sick and the handicapped. And he's looking at them with heart of compassion. So, yeah, we should expect that. We should expect that. I'm still looking for testimonies of healing. Uh, we're, We're still shooting testimonies from 2021. Looking for testimonies of God doing a healing work. Physical bodies, marriages, emotions. If you got one, let me know. We're still shooting them. Finally, last one. Everyone was filled with awe. Everyone was filled with awe. That's God's doing. They didn't fill themselves. They were filled. They were the recipients of something from outside themselves filling them with awe with wonder, with reverent fear of God. Who was doing it? God was doing it. God was filling them with this awe of who he is. This wow. I I, I think the idea here is that as they were watching God save people, as they were watching God heal people, as they were watching this radical generosity, houses being sold and money given in the church, as they were watching all that, they were going, wow, God. God is good. God's amazing. God's powerful. Holy cow. And should we expect God to fill us with fresh awe of him? Yes, 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 yes. Exclamation point times 10. Yes, God, that's God's ultimate goal for everything he does is for him to be given glory by us, for us to worship him. That's his point for everything is for us to go, wow, God is amazing. Holy cow, for us to look at and point at his worth. He designed us to worship him because that's how we are most fulfilled, to look at the glory of God and be glad in it, be joyful in it. So everything he does, all the saving, all the intervening, all the answering of prayers, he does for the purpose of us going, wow, God is amazing. That's why we sing songs to remind us, to to give him a chance to fill us with that awe. That's why we hear testimonies. To be reminded that God, wow, holy cow, he did it. He did it again. He did it again. God wants us to experience him. He doesn't, in other words, want us to just go through those motions uh, uh, that we talked about last week, prayer and scripture and being devoted to each other and sharing our lives. He doesn't just want us to do that like, like religious check marks. 
He doesn't just want us to, you know, to do, to say, oh, well, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing the religious thing, I'm doing the church thing, I'm going to church. All of that is for the purpose of us experiencing him, being filled with all of him, joy in him. That's what it's for. We, just like we watch a movie, not for information, we, wanna, we want to be moved by it, right? You want to be captivated when you watch a movie. My wife and I don't go on dates, or I, we shouldn't go on dates, just to say, oh, we got our date in. We got our date in for the month or for the quarter or whatever we're doing. Right? We, I mean, maybe there's been times when we did that, but it shouldn't be. We should do it for the purpose of experiencing each other. We hadn't been on a date in a while, and so last two weeks ago, the holiday break, we went on a date the, that Wednesday night, and it was good. It was really good. She was, it was, it was, she was helping me with some stuff, and, and so the next day, I felt like, I, I want more time. I want more of that. Can we, can we on New Year's Day leave the kids alone and go on another one? And so we did. We went on a second, two days in one week. That's, we, that's unheard of in our house. But it was for the purpose of experiencing each other. That's what God wants for us. When we pray and get with him and read scripture, he wants us to be filled with a fresh wow of him. That reverent fear that you get when you staring at the Grand Canyon or in the middle of the ocean and he's like, holy, look at all these big, holy cow. Or for me, looking at one of those big elephant animals in a zoo or something, you're like, wow. That's what God wants our hearts to be filled with. He did it for them. And man, if you are struggling, coming out of 2021, you're feeling dry, you're feeling discouraged, you're feeling empty, you're feeling disconnected from him. Can I just tell you that God wants to fill you with a fresh awe of him, a fresh joy in him? Expect that this year. Expect that. Do the things that they were devoted to doing last week that we talked about. Do those things. You be faithful. You raise the sails. But expect God to blow the wind and fill you afresh. I'm going to call a band up here right now. Um, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to end the, similarly to how we ended last week. If you didn't like it last week, maybe you'll like it better today. Which... One, do you have the hardest time expecting and believing God for this year? Which one of those things that I just talked about? I'll go through them again. The salvation of others, family members, friends, just growth in general, seeing God just keep moving and saving people. You have a hard time with that? Glad and sincere hearts within messy community, right? Community's messy. It's a pain in the butt sometimes. Radical generosity. Signs and wonders, especially supernatural healing. And then awe and reverent fear of God. Which one do you have the hardest time expecting? You can answer it for our church. You can answer it just individually. You take a moment to think for yourself. What is it, God? What is the one I have the hardest time with right now? And then you can just turn to somebody next to you or behind you and just share. I'm not asking you to get, you know, graphic details if you don't know the person. You know, maybe you're here and you're not even a Christian. You're like, man, I, I can't expect any of that stuff right now. Just be honest. 
We were an authentic church, let's be honest. Yeah, I, I don't expect any of that right now. I have a hard time with all of this stuff. That's okay. That's okay. So let's just take a couple minutes. Go ahead, turn to somebody. You can, you can move chairs if you need to.